This is RevTech Podcast, where we discuss everything from business processes to measurement and technical alignment. The RevTech mission focuses on effectively managing and optimizing the go-to-market strategy through methodologies, tools, and best practices. We discuss the success criteria and technical fit guides for decision-making and ensure solutions align with the business goals. It brings me a great pleasure to introduce today's guest, Pavel Yashturovsky, who is the CEO of DemoBoost. Welcome. Nice to meet you. Thank you for having me, Lizzie Dimitris. It's a pleasure to have you here. Great to have you. So very excited to chat all things DemoBoost. I'd love to just kick off with a high-level 30 to 60-second overview of what DemoBoost is and then what is the story of the company. Gotcha. So maybe starting with what we are, if you are a SaaS founder, executive investor, uh, you might be looking at your P&L and you might actually notice that roughly 80% of your money is spent on two things, product or go to market. And if you are in that SaaS space, a kind of perfect overlap of these two areas of so this 80% of the money you're spending is a demo. Like it's literally demo is the thesis of go to market of your product, right? So that's why we, we we see that that actually matters a lot. And the bigger your sales team, um, maybe you even have a pre-sales team, uh, the more you grow, um, the more the demo matters and also the more issues it prepares because it's also still is uh, a bit of a no man's child in a lot of organizations, which is changing, but it's still there. So with that being said, we really just simplify things. So why we say we do three things, we make sure everybody can run a perfect demo. Um, inside your organization, whether you're a CEO or an intern. Uh, secondly, you can personalize the demo to the customer's needs in literally minutes and not even show it to them, but also let, it, let, let them touch it, which is you know a great great way to engage them in between meetings. Uh, and thirdly, we just track everything. Uh, so you know actually what is going on with the demos that are being ran live and also with those shared uh, in between meetings. Um, and that's it. Um, so, and the story behind it, it, it really all started uh, for us when we were at Salesforce. Uh, so I was uh, lucky enough to be a part of the Salesforce go-to-market team and even luckier to get to know my co-founders there, uh, Kamil and Piotr and Anna, and we were working together. Uh, Kamil was an engineering team, uh, a director working on the actual you know, product and the internals of Salesforce. Piotr and Anna being you know, our customers and partners. So first we knew we like working together, um, and then we, you know, were looking for for things to build uh, together. And very quickly, we kind of saw uh, the, the 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 big issue, the glaring issue of demos inside of Salesforce, which was very surprising to us that a company with you know so many resources uh, still, you know, had to wait for demos. There was no visibility into what's working, what's not working with demos. The the, comp- the customers had to wait. There, there were, you know, errors and bugs, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, this made us think uh, and dig a little deeper into other organizations as well. Turns out that it was a pretty, uh, uh, pretty, pretty uh, popular problem, uh, let's say, in a lot of organizations from B2B SaaS. Mm-hmm. So easily, we just quit our jobs, forgot about our salaries and started Demos, and here we are. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, so yeah, it, it, this is a great story about how friends becoming uh, business partners. Uh, I've, heard, I've heard that so many times. So uh, congratulations, you, you know, repeating that great story, you know, over many other entrepreneurs um, that started and kicked off the companies. Um, yeah, let's let's move on and let's let's talk a little bit about the go to market strategy. What type of customers does your product? fit best? I mean, how you feel about your ICP and who um, who you're targeting? Absolutely. So uh, that's a good question. Right? Previously, I mentioned that demo, you know, used to be this kind of no man's land, but now this is this is changing. And we also learned with the space, uh, you know, what, what's a good profile. Um, and I would start at the top. At the top, we're looking at companies that sell B2B software. Okay. This typically divides into two groups uh, of companies, um, vendors, uh, SaaS vendors, or whatever other business model is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also there's a whole big pocket of um, just channel sales and resellers, distributors, all that stuff, right? 
So these two two groups are very important for us. And then if we if we look a little bit deeper um, on the size side, we see we tend to add most value with uh, companies that already have a sales team in place, five to ten people, maybe even a pre-sales team if they get a little bit more technical and specialized. That's mm-hmm. where it really starts to hurt those certain inefficiencies around demos and uh, at scale it really hurts. So that's where we can add add value with this type of size. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's also kind of the, the differentiation when it comes to product. I, I always like to kind of put it on a bit of a, a matrix. Um, let's say on one axis, we would have a, a what I call like a relative complexity of a product. On one end, you would have literally a button that sends text messages, uh, great subscription uh, service. And the other uh, end, you would have um, a banking software, right? Uh, and also the other axis would be just the volume of demos. You know, mm-hmm. Do you run... You know, uh, you know, 100 demos a week, or do you run, you know, one demo a month? Now, clearly, from that, it shows which companies are a good or a bad fit for something like, like, like we do. You know, if you're selling banking software and you know you're limited to a thousand accounts in in in, in your in your territory, uh, you probably should wine and dine them and do POCs all the time. Not really look to you know optimize your demo creation and saving time and personalizing at scale. Right? This is not your business. At the same time, if you were doing this little button that sends text messages and people, you know, look at your product, you know, thousands of times every day, every week, uh, you probably don't need to invest in a demo as well because you might as well just set up a trial and it's going to work, right? And make it free. Thing. So, uh, you know, so that's what we typically would exclude or, you know, where we don't add value, but which which really leaves 80% of the SaaS market as being a good, good fit. Uh, you know, whether you're a CRM, FinTech, anything else, marketing solution, um, and you're doing demos right now, that is probably a sign that you have some stuff that you can solve for and we can potentially help. That makes sense. I didn't even think about the the channel sales use case of resellers and, and packaging that up. I run a channel sales team uh, and should probably look into this even more. Uh, but question for you on what well, you mentioned, like you sell to pre-sales, you sell potentially to product. Are you finding yourself uh, utilizing multi-threaded sales approaches where you're going in and talking to the product team, you're talking to the um, pre-sales team and, and other teams across the organization? Absolutely. No, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, our typical first point of contact, if there's a pre-sales organization, it would be a, a pre-sales organization. Because this means if there's a pre-sales organization, there is a team that owns keyword demo. Okay. If there's so that they, they would understand what we do and they would have a, a perspective on things. Uh, now, let's say we we there's no pre sales team, then typically it would be uh, one of three groups it would be sales, product, or marketing. Uh, sometimes there's also, um, you know, more let's say specialist teams and bigger organizations, you know, channel sales, like you mentioned, or enablement, uh, but. Mm, Frequently, they would be later brought into the mix. You know, we're going to do our qualification call, going back to the you know easiest process for us, which would be pre-sales team. A lot of times, are going to be more folks in, engaged. Uh, enablement, sales, for sure, right? Marketing, for sure. Which also goes back to my previous point, like the demo thing, it's, it permeates your whole organization. That's why so many people should be engaged because literally it's from everything from onboarding your team. I mean, you're selling your product. The demo is the thing. To marketing, how are you positioning your product, which is the demo? How are you showing it to customers on calls, sales team? How are you doing it between meetings and after post sale as well? You know, even customer success teams uh, and yeah. all that, right? So um, that's you, how it would typically do, look like. Yeah, that, yeah, that makes total sense. Do you find that one team is the easiest one to get into? Like with the first outreach, like, does sales jump all over this? Does product jump all over, or does it really depend on the organization? So, uh, I would say for it would be the easiest for us. Again, it will be the most understood by the pre-sales team. So, it was yeah. a very productive conversation yeah. from, from the start. At the same time, I also really like talking to sales teams uh, because there's a beauty in you know, trying to work with sales teams because they understand what you're doing. Uh, yeah. And mm-hmm. they can very quickly go, hey, let me give you your medic. Uh, let me give you a band, and uh, it's, it makes it very easy to fill all the data in Salesforce. Let me say, three sales also understand all of this, so that's why they're also great partners to to do projects with. Um, typically, these two groups, yeah, 
Yeah, my assumption would be that the sales teams are the ones that are hungry to get more demos, right? So they're an, an easy target and then you slowly make your way across the other teams. Um, that That's great. So who are some of the of your other competitors in this space? Are there other competitors and, and who do you see come up uh, against the most? Absolutely. Yeah. So, so we're actually very happy that there's there's competitors in the space. Overall, this whole kind of demo um, interactivity tools, demo automation tools, um, it's a very it's a very new space. So it's a two or three years old. Uh, and uh, typically, still, when we talk to organizations, we're still competing against status quo. And I always say there's you know again usually three buckets of solutions that are being currently used for demos that we have to compete against uh, and this is going to be just production environments may have a trial i have a uh, you know just a production environment and different logins or a shared login etc so that that is typically a thing uh secondly is, is video you know companies like loom video are doing a great thing uh with with just having the ability to show what a product does uh, and then thirdly it, it, it might be a mix of the yeah, i would throw in even powerpoint in there figma uh, prototyping products tools used by product teams to to explain uh, the values there, right? So that would be our typical um, uh, typical conversation with with uh, with a prospect or a customer uh, in terms of competing against solutions. But still, there's a lot of really good good solutions out there. Like they are starting to specialize in the space. Uh, very happy to have companies like uh, Walnut or Demostag or Reprise, uh All of them um, also heavily working in the US. Um, and happy to have them. And it really is true because we see the market is so fresh that it's kind of a bit of a rising tide lifting all the boats. So it's everybody's advertising, filling everybody's pipelines and also educating the customer uh, more from that perspective. Uh, because even though you know it's one space, the education of the customer is still very, very important. And to be honest, like one company uh, just, just, you know, wouldn't do a good job of handling this, right? So I think we're all supporting each other in the matter. Yeah, it feels like there's a revolution going on around go-to-market, which is why we have this podcast. Um, but, you know, there's lots of companies out there trying to help solve various organizations' issues in going to market. Um, and you're just talking about all kinds of competitors, um, not just doing what you're doing, but just different approaches to demos, right? Um, so I'm wondering... What are you finding to be successful in your own go-to-market? Are you seeing product-led growth uh, working well? Is it partner-led growth, sales, marketing? I'm guessing it's a mix of everything. How are you thinking about what your go-to-market growth strategy is and what channels are working best there? Yeah, and I, I think what you mentioned there is very true also for our stage. It's a mix of everything. We're, 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 we're you know, figuring, trying different things and figuring out what works, uh, constantly experimenting. And I don't think we're going to kind of reinvent the wheel here. Uh, heavy believers in outbounds, because we understand the persona, uh, we're, we're able to identify them and kind of ABM uh, and uh, try to reach out in an educated way to them without spamming uh, people. Uh, inbound works really well. This is also something interesting and I think curious to learn from, from other people in, in the overall SaaS space. But I think in the cases where new uh, categories are created, content works really well. It's, can be the case for us because people are really hungry for that education um, uh, in that in that new space and that new and they use new content so that that works well for us. We also have referral partners that we work with um, in in that you know pre sales expert space um, and yeah and then there's your typical bucket of you know referrals and uh, and, and and all the other things where 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 leads can can come through. Uh, but like I said, heavily in the experimentation mode. Uh, leads are coming from all these different directions. And we're not discriminating against any other channel that brings in leads. Exactly. Uh, yeah, I think like the content creation educational component is very interesting. Are you teaming up with partners to do some of that education and bring together a few different viewpoints um, to help that education? Absolutely, absolutely, and this is this is a very good question and, and something absolutely crucial to us, um, because it's a new space, and because we're not the smartest people in the room. I know I'm not in the smartest guy in the room, especially in this room, but overall in the pre-sales room as well. Um, so 
we want to learn from others and kind of share that knowledge and use us as a vehicle to share the knowledge. So there's experts in the pre-sale space, you know, in, 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 in consultants space and in, in demo space per se, uh, or even a, just a more general sales process space uh, that are either practitioners or consultants. Um, and they have really good best practices and ideas that, you know, we could have never come up with. And they're, you know, generous enough to, to, to share it with the community via us. And we partner on this content, writes and blog posts, videos, webinars. Um, and yeah, we learn from all of that. Uh, and hopefully there's a self for the community. Yeah, I just had, I was just at a conference last week and I had a partner ask if I would team up with my direct competitors to teach people about ABM. And I was like, ooh, I think we're going a step too far. I'm happy to like partner with the ecosystem partners, but the competitors piece is hard. So um, I'm always trying to find that balance of like, how do we educate and share the best knowledge we have um, and not uh, help sell our competitors? It's a, it's a delicate balance. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Uh, so that's a very good point. And I think um, we got to be careful how we define the partnerships in general. Uh, because we don't know sometimes what the other entity is really planning to do. Um, uh, oh, I have a one question regarding the go-to-market. I think you mentioned that you uh, target specific persona, uh, and I'm very close to that topic because we discussed this a couple of times in the past. But uh, what is your take on uh, resistance with other functions, right? I think the sellers... Um, and the pre-sales functions, they are pretty open because, of course, they're this is very like uh, opportunistic role, and you want to sell, you want to you want to have a results. So anything that is helping you to do that is great. But there are other functions that you mentioned, and um, I don't feel like they they are they completely bought the idea that I want to just have a record recorded videos send it out and then um you know uh have a process behind that can help me to monetize it so what is your take like behind uh, you know this this um uh, hesitation to move into that space uh from these functions yeah it's a good question and a and a uh, tricky challenge um i would say it's it can go both ways. It can either be encouraged or forced. I'll start with forced because that's not what we do, but sometimes it just happens. Uh, and typically it's a situation where just a competitor moves into doing something, in our case, you know, demo automation, and they start performing really well. It kind of forces the, the uh, if, they're, if, they're, if they're watching, uh, it kind of forces the other functions to, functions to just buy in. Uh, now that's you know a, a a just a very straightforward case. Uh, it gets more tricky, and also we typically operate more in that you know empower and kind of encourage space and educate. Might be even an acronym. I don't know. Three E. Uh, uh, there you go. So uh, so we 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 work with that, and there's a couple of very very practical things we get not reinventing the reinventing the wheel here, right? Um, involve them in the sales process, on starting with understanding what matters because again demo probably matters to all these functions yeah they touch it it's some you know one way or the other so let's just understand what are they thinking and what what are they trying to achieve uh secondly try to address that and you know show them the benefits for their function right whether it's you know cost saving for the cfo faster sales cycle for the vp sales more productivity for pre-sales and a better recall of the messaging for enablement all of that can be ticked off. It's probably mentioned on you know calls, but if they're not on these calls, if they're you know not reading the thousands follow up emails which everybody sends, uh, uh, which is totally understandable, uh, then it's 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 you know it's just gonna you know get get lost in the and in, in, in the chaos of information, right? So understand them, address and explain and educate the benefits there, and also try to bring them in as to be a part of the solution. Um, which the last word I would say is, is, is tricky and, you know, you know it yourself in organizations. Um, some people really like to take ownership. Some people already have a lot of ownership, so they would rather delegate to other functions. So then it's, it's a bit of a, also the super important uh, part of the sales process and this, you know, true truth that ultimately whatever I say here is only going to matter to like up to 50% of the decision and how it's going to go. 
rest of that and most of the work uh, is going to be done by a champion, by an executive sponsor. So they really have to understand all these things that we're talking about, or I just mentioned, and more how to talk to their peers, how to talk to their colleagues, how to say, hey, I can take that responsibility. I can run that. I can invite you in later, yada, yada, and however we want to play out that these roles for this project, right? So um, long answer to a, a short question, um, but again, not reinventing the wheel. Typically, that's that's how we, we see that. And also, maybe just one last thing to say, that's also like how we see the demos can help in, in this case. Like we, you know, we eat our own dog food. So, uh, you know, the ability to actually have a call with a champion or an exec sponsor, you know, show them something live, show them demo booths, show them examples, say, hey, this is great, you know. Uh, but recall of information is typically difficult. There's stats about, you know, however many 90% of information being lost the minute you hung up. But then the ability to actually send them, uh, you know, a, a an interactive demo in our case. Say, hey, listen, you can click around through this. Use your muscle memory, remember this. And also at the same time, when you're in the meeting with these additional stakeholders, uh, I'm not going to be invited because I'm not privy to this conversation. But you can take that and you can show them this yourself. Uh, do this demo into your own internal stakeholders, which, by the way, is going to be tracked and analyzed internally. So. You know, the go-to-market team can use it, right? Um, it yeah. So, as it should. That's awesome. Yeah. I I like that. So around 90% of information is lost after the call because it makes me feel better about my own memory and ability to retain information uh, <laughs> for better or worse. But yeah, I'm guessing like one of the biggest, at least in my case, when I'm trying to bring in a new vendor, finance and budget is always the, usually the gatekeeper to me pushing that through or not. Um I'm wondering if you actually create custom uh, like cost savings plans for these companies or do you have some general cost savings that you're able to provide to companies to sell through to their their finance teams? We always want to mm-hmm. want to custom we want to start off with a generic, you know, standpoint calculator and and just what we saw already worked for other companies mapped to the use cases of what we're talking about with this particular customer and then always always customize. Uh, and Always something I learned at Salesforce, you know, actually this this statement about business cases and all that stuff. You don't want this to be, you don't want this to be accurate and you don't want this to be completely wrong. It's impossible to make it correct, like a completely accurate. Any CFO is going to look at it like, well, it should be, you know, this many, you know, this slightly different number here, slightly different number there. Point is, so it's, it doesn't matter if it's not super accurate, it, it can't be completely wrong. Um, yeah, and then you're 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 in a good shape. Um, yeah, I love it. Well, and it's totally yeah, it's totally dependent on like how well does the company company implement it too, right? But but I think that's always nice to have. Yeah, which actually I get. Uh, you bring up a really good point exactly because it's not just a you know calculator, right? We frequently, very frequently have a conversation that we you know if it's not being called out, we want to proactively offer it, saying, hey, listen. This is the process we would go through. You literally can be up and running day one. This is why. This is the workflow we would go through. You know, you have an environment, you have a click path. My team can actually get it done overnight for you. Uh, and then week one, you're going to get this and this done because this is how much it takes, you know, to create a demo, personalize it, et cetera, et cetera. And here's a plan that you have for you. And there's there's no surprises there. We already talked a little yep. bit that we know your product, you know how this works. This is literally how it's going to be done. So you can go to a CFO and say, hey, it's going to cost me X amount of dollars. We foresee these amount of savings. I'm like, okay, great. Probably in a 12-month you know, a period or 24-month period, you know, we've all seen these, these, these calculators. But it's not like, hey, like we're actually hitting the ground running like week one. Um, yeah, which is especially I think in today's environment very very important. Like people are looking for those immediate improvements. Wins, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Should we hop over to the demo? Yeah, let's do it. I mean, uh, what is the use case you want to share with us today, uh, Pablo? I think I think we can just just go through a through an exciting part of a day of a salesperson that. Just got a call booked with a prospect and they know they are interested. Maybe it's a qualification call. Maybe it's already post qualification. Maybe it's already a demo, depending on, on the workflow. Uh, and we know they're going to be interested in our product. 
uh, and we're going to quickly get ourselves ready and do a quick demo and have an intelligent conversation with a customer. Thanks to our demo. Well, let's do it. Here I am logging into Demo Boost. We're starting off with a library of demos that can help me run different use cases uh, on a call or share it with the customer, which we're also going to do later. So let's pick an example from SAP right here. And here I can right away go ahead and run it live. But before that, I can quickly kind of show you how I can even personalize it for a customer. I can go into edit. And right here, you can kind of see a little bit behind the scenes how these demos are actually built. We have a technology in your browser that enables us to capture any application, any web-based application, also mobile applications, and parse them into individual screens and actually parse them with the code, not just you know screenshots or videos, but they take the actual the full interactivity or application uh, into this, let's say, sandbox on demo boost, right? Now you can see it's code because it's nice and interactive. And at the same time, because it's code, I'm able to edit it. So maybe I want to change 9,000 days to 78 days. Maybe I don't want pretzels, but I feel more like beverages. So we should change pretzels to Coke, which by the way, will also fit the logo that I have right here, which is also another thing that I can easily change right there. So point is, I'm not technical. I can quickly point and click in certain elements and, and edit them very quickly. So let's actually ditch those, those changes uh, real quick right now. Let's go back to presenting live. I'm going to click to present live and I know I'm going to be meeting with Dave at coke.com. All this that I'm typing in here is very relevant because this addresses also the analytics and the tracking part. Like most of the organizations actually don't know uh, how many demos their organization runs, who is presenting what to whom. All of this is very relevant because this also gets tracked and sent into your CRM where you can use it for lead scoring, opportunity scoring, etc. cetera. Uh, but for now, let me just start the demo. I'm sharing the full screen, by the way. So you're going to see what the seller sees. Uh, so a little bit more than just a customer. With a customer, I would just share a tab. But as a seller, I can actually click on this little uh, uh, booklet right here. And you can see the speaker notes pop up right here. And it is exactly what it says it is. It's pretty much a script for your demo. A script that I can now move to the side of my screen. Close that. And now I'm getting on a call or I'm starting to run my demo and I'm sharing just a tab. The customer does not see this, but yet it tells me exactly what to say. Tells me what kind of questions to ask. And oh, by the way, I'm also starting with a slide because it's not just interactive parts of my product that I can use here. But, you know, following best practices of the demo, maybe I want to start off with a, a challenge statement or a conversation starter like this, maybe a persona, maybe a testimonial video to have at the end of the demo or beginning. I can mix and match all these things into a demo. So I can now continue. Then it's going to tell me dynamically what to say on this particular screen, how to continue. So throughout all of this, pretty much it, you know, it guides me how to run the demo, what kind of things to say. I can have my discovery questions and notes right here. Uh, so it takes away, you know, pretty much uh, the stress that I have from, you know, having to remember the script. At the same time, it ensures consistency of messaging across all these demos. It also makes sure that the demo is engaging, right? A lot of times when people really focus on the script, they go through the features of the demo. But in this case, it really, uh, can, the script can include uh, things to, to engage the customer. Uh, so, so that's why, it, you know, it can be helpful whether I'm an intern or I'm the CEO of the company and I need to know how to present a new release, I can literally just get a link and run it perfectly. Now, that's not, that's not all. Uh, let's say I, I just ran this demo and it's, you know, it's really nice. The customer loved it. Uh, and now, you know, there's a typical scenario which we've all been in where I say, hey, let's, I love it. But now, you know, I'm going to get back to you in a couple of weeks after I meet with the internal stakeholders. I need to show it to them. I need to get their buy-in. I'll get back to you. Of course, I'm not going to be invited to those meetings, but now I have a chance to equip the champion, the person I'm talking to, with something very powerful for them and for the other people involved in the process. Now, what I can do is I can literally take the same demo or another demo that was you know, even more relevant after this call. Let's pick, pick something like this. And I can share it with them as a link, send this in an email, uh, you know, Slack message, whatever works. I can also embed it on the website. I can show you some, some examples in a second. 
And then they're going to see the same demo, the same flow. It can be also personalized for them. Um, but on top of this, they're also going to get a narrative uh, that can guide them through the story uh, and the flow of the demo. So it's not like a trial where they can get in. And I'm sure we've all had these experiences. We certainly did when we were at Salesforce. Uh, that you know, people will get into a trial. It's a lot of buttons. Yeah, it might have some sort of a guidance, but you know, ultimately people kind of get lost in it. You know, they go off track. Uh, here, it really takes them through a story, right? So it says hello. On top of this, you have a video built in as well. You know, faces sell. Uh, it really helps for you to personalize. This. Hey, Mr. Customer, Mrs. Customer, appreciate your business in our meetings today. This is what I prepared for you as a personalized sandbox. Uh, and hope you enjoy. I'm here if you have any questions. And then I can continue with the flow as it's going to guide me through everything that I should do uh, in that demo. So there's no way for me to get lost. I can design this, this sandbox to be as interactive as I want to. We always, you know, or typically recommend to customers to actually limit it to some most important functionalities on, on the path so that people, again, don't get lost, but really understand the value, right? So I can now click through it myself as a champion. But I can also take that and show this, uh, you know, to my team, my colleagues, um, and and I really explain them this value in a situation where a salesperson is not there to 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 show it, right? Um, so that's something that you know I can share with them, and ultimately both of these things that I just did a live demo presentation as well as this kind of follow up on demand demo. Uh, both of those things are tracked, right? And we we track it, you know, following again practices that we learned. You know, from HubSpot or from selling part out the marketing automation, marketing cloud at Salesforce, uh, we we divide those um, those those interactions into sessions. You can see there's live demo being ran by by this gentleman right here, uh, and I can then double click and see, hey, this person ran a demo to this person, didn't go through a whole flow, so that's not great. Didn't spend a lot of time, but I know exactly what they were clicking on, what they spent time on uh, from this short demo. Very similarly. I can go into my on-demand sessions. Let's pick something that is more robust. John Ershi, everybody loves chocolate. It's an on-demand session. So John was somebody who got a link shared with them, potential prospect. I can see again how much time they spent, how much uh, of the demo they saw, uh, uh, what did they see uh, exactly step-by-step. Step. Maybe they had some questions they could have asked them, uh, as well as all of that being brought into a score that you know, uh, later you can use again for your lead scoring or opportunity scoring, right? Uh, so uh, that's the gist of it. There's more bells and whistles, naturally. But as a salesperson and you're working with organizations with go to market, typically you see that's that's how uh, teams uh, use that uh, on a day to day basis. And you can. That's really cool. It's kind of like a a combination of a lot of tools. Like it's a demo, it's a PowerPoint, it's Loom, it's got everything that you need in, in one place, which is awesome. Um, you mentioned that you can embed it in a website too. I'm assuming like if you wanted to put on your .com website so that people can view a high-level demo, that's an option as well. Absolutely. I, I, I think you're peeking at my tabs right here. Uh, so exactly. I actually really like this example. Uh, working with Salone is really great team. Uh, overall around demos, a great product, a uh, bit of a backstory, great product, but also pretty complicated product that really shines when you show it. It's, it's a beautiful way how it works, but you really have to kind of show it. And they have built this amazing thing, you know, this this demo gallery on their website. Um, and, you know, actually, regardless of technology you will be using, I think it's really well structured. Um, and, you know, if you're looking into process mining, again, Go on such a website uh, on, on, on this page. Uh, find yourself into one of those uh, personas, let's say procurement, and jump into a specific use case. Maybe you want to check out productivity or or, 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 or revenue if you're in order management. And then you can go into one of those. And as part of their, their website, which is right here, you can see an embedded uh, tour, a demo of productivity and procurement in this case. But looks and feels like the real product, right? It, it kind of reacts to myself, whatever I do, but it also guides me. What should I see? And because it's a pretty complex product, right? I mean, I have a lot of buttons and things I can click on. I actually can't get lost because it tells me exactly what should I, what should I see? What should I focus on? And yeah, things like this, you know, can, can generate thousands of sessions, leads, uh, because, you know, it's 
it's it's something more than just a screenshot or, or a video. Uh, it really engages people into it, and we see buyers are 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 really appreciating this. Especially, I think this example is also great great because it's ungated. You really want to you know shift away from forms, uh, blocking things, um, rather to, to provide value easily and quickly like this, and then drive them to some CTAs. I think it's just such a good insight on how sales ready a lead potentially is, right? I mean, it's one thing if they come to your website, it's another thing if they engage with a, a demo for 15 minutes and really dig into it. It sounds like it's really easy to get set up, although I'm guessing there's some work required to add like all of these buttons and everything. And I'm also curious how hard the Salesforce or HubSpot or any CRM integration is, or if it's just a widget that sits inside there. So what are the the complex part, if any, to actually getting demo base set up? Uh, so good question. So the first part and how do you actually get set up? You really need two things. Well, let's say maybe three. Uh, you need your own product, which you have. You need uh, a demo boost product, which, you know, acts as an extension in your browser. And when you will go to your product and click through your flow and activate demo boost succession, it's going to capture that flow in your product into the sandbox. Uh, kind of automatically. Uh, so it's, it's, it's very quick and easy. Uh, from the perspective of really the, the third thing I need is included uh, in the meantime there. So you just have to know your flow, your click path, your demo. So uh, you need somebody uh, who actually understands your product from that from that perspective. But, you know, we see people getting done, uh, you know, getting their demos done in literally minutes. Uh, of course, depending on complexity, but it's, it's, it's very straightforward. And we typically you know, say it's very easy to create a, a demo in demo boost. Like technically it's very easy uh, or actually maybe it can be very quick, but it doesn't mean it's easy, right? It's like with anything, like with Stigma or PowerPoint or, or a pen and a piece of paper. Um, if you give me a pen and a piece of paper and ask me to draw a drawing, uh, I'm going to do a terrible job. Uh, like you need skill and and expertise and and think about what's going to be a good flow what's going to make a good painting similarly we have to think about your demo right you really have to spend time up front see what is the story i want to tell what is the what is the the flow i want to go through and that's really the ever lifting uh and a lot of organizations don't have that or maybe they're they want to improve on this uh later the, the building of the demo is very easy uh yeah. but we spend a lot of time also with with, with, with our customers thinking about and, and uh, working together with them to to just really figure out the story um and the second part with the with the integration yeah we're you know we're a salesforce partner uh an isv partner uh and so so it's a widget then that you just integrate into salesforce adds uh a couple of fields uh into your objects like opportunity lead all that good stuff so so it's nothing too complex Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, it sounds like you really need product or product marketing support on that initial low setup. Mm -hmm. So you need some buy-in there. Yeah, I, I think absolutely. Or again, I would I, sorry, Demetrius, but no, or I am you know I am a fanboy of pre-sales from this perspective. So it's either going to be product or pre-sales. A lot of times we see pre-sales really have that great understanding of of uh, of what the buyer wants to see, what kind of flows work and demos. What kind of stories sell? Uh, because they are, they are really on the front line. Like they they are the people. Like if product marketing comes up with a great flow for their new product release, pre-sales teams are the ones who are taking this and showing it live to people and clicking through that. So they're getting the 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 roughest, the the, the most direct real time feedback. feedback. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So they are really really experts in 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 the product and, and how to show it from that perspective. So product marketing for sure. But I would say I need it together with pre-sales uh, to 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 get it get it to work. Yeah, I think I think your your product is is having a lot of benefits, but uh, many benefits. But I think uh, I, what I'm what I see here is that um, there were maybe three three areas that I see that are absolutely unique. Right, number one is you have like. So Lizzie said, you have a combination of multiple different other tools, right? Like you, you have a gong, you have a loom, you have a here, like multiple other things that you've seen or we've seen before. But I don't think they, they're giving you, um, you know, one uh, 
ability to, to have an interactive uh, a, a testing, a little bit testing with uh, with the tool itself. And you know, you know, uh, all of these things just uh, all these features exist, but you know, they never exist in one place or partially. Uh, but none of them is giving you the ability to just play with that. And it gets me to the second point, which I think uh, is very often forgotten uh, where we, when we are in these conversations and especially in the demo. I know that someone who's calling, coming to me is trying to sell me something, won't tell me things that, that they don't work, right? Or they, they simply, um, maybe they're not as good as they say they are, but if I have ability to play with with these tools, even with a very simple parts uh, or or a very simple simple uh, element of of that application, it's giving me ability to ask questions whether I can do this and that, right? It's almost like edu education for myself, and I can do this on my own pace. Whereas when I'm in the demo, we just run through, right? It's I I don't have a two hours to spend with you. Um, on the call, right? It's somewhere squeezed somewhere between the other meetings. But now I have ability to do this on my time when I want, and I can educate myself and maybe take notes and go back to to you and your team and ask additional questions, right? Um. So uh, that's another one, and I think the the third one is is a little bit more strategic and might be maybe market problem. Um. I know that a couple of years ago, uh, probably more than a couple, but um, I think Facebook was facing um, uh, a problem. They didn't know how to monetize videos. And I know uh, Google was struggling for a long time as well uh, with, the, with the YouTube because it was just not, it was something that was picking up, but it was not giving money. Um, I think now we are in a completely different place. Uh, the the adoption of video is huge, and I think it becomes like a regular um, go to place for a lot of things. So let's say if I don't know the tool, I, I I'm gonna go either to G2 or I'm gonna go to YouTube, and I'm gonna try to Google it and try to figure out what what it is, what it does. Um, now I'm getting to my point. Uh, I think with your with your solution, that video is living almost forever. And uh, you can put it almost like a sub page like you did with Salonis, and you can see how people are reacting, how they consume that video, right? Your analytical part in your tool is giving you that ability, uh, gathering data over time, and, and you can start improving that uh, with probably minimum, co minimal cost. So uh, instead of testing another 10, 15 ideas, shooting from the hip very often, as a, you know, in the marketing department, you have ability to gather the information and be a little bit more prescriptive uh, at minimal cost. So your CAC is improving. I think your uh, LTV to CAC ratio as a result of that will improve. And and I think your tool is somewhat contributing in that process, So which is which is awesome. So that's kind of my, my logic. And I, that's what I see here, um, you know, from a very like uh, operations finance um, hot point of view. Awesome. I can, these are really good points that I can add to the last two ones. So fully agreed with the last one. And then you're doing it at a uh, very low overhead or a low overhead, really. You're just investing in a piece of software, but it's not a huge implementation. You need an additional headcount to it, et cetera. Because one could also argue, you know, you could get a huge ERP implementation and, you know, get LTV to CAC improvements as well, because you're going to get all the uh, single digits you know, from, from all the positions in, in your process, right? But this is kind of, a, again, a quick win. And the second point, which you said also, that it, it enables you to ask more uh, more questions, be more educated as a buyer, which I think is really smart. And sometimes, by the way, that we typically forget as a seller that, you know, we run a sales process. I remember we, we talked about it, you know, some time ago, and we, we look at it as a sales process from a sales standpoint, but really it should be, look, you know, looked at from a buyer standpoint, right? But there's are really some practical things that, that we see people do with our software, which I think are really cool. We, we had no idea that you can do that. So first, you're running disco demos. Uh, you, with something like Demo Boost, you're not afraid that you're, you know, it's going to crash. 
it's going to not work or anything like this, which devils tend to do. So you can be more, again, relaxed and like, hey, let me show you something actually quickly. Uh, and let's get your reaction to it. Let's have a conversation. And the second thing is to even take it to, to, to the next level. We see some organizations uh, go into a disco demo situation on the call, and they actually ask the buyer to demo the product. Now, they don't really like demo it, but they, they, they touch it. And they say, yeah. okay, Mr. Customer, Mrs. Customer. So I'm going to send you this link right here. Or maybe I've been better. I sent you this before so you can kind of familiarize yourself. On that call, can you just share your screen? You can walk through this beginning part. I'm going to tell you a little bit more about it, and then we can have a conversation about this dashboard and like what it means to you, what kind of data you would like to see there, how do you parse it, yada, 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 right? But it's a, if anything, it's a complete pattern interrupt for people. Like, out 0.001% of organizations will do that right now. And I think there's a really big friction overall in the sales versus buyer process. People are really tired of all the qualification and discovery meetings. Mm -hmm. So if you also can stand out like this, and also it actually brings really good results because the customers are not like just, oh, wow, that's cool. But they're like telling you more, they're educated more. Educated might also mean that they're going to disqualify faster, which is also good for you. If it's not a yes, a quick no is better, right? So um, yeah, this gives you some, I would say, unexpected uh, ideas really that come from from from, from our customers, how, how they use these things. So, but all that tying to, to what you were saying, like the buyer is more engaged, educated, can ask further questions. Yeah. Yeah, that's a uh, that's a that's a big thing. What what you just mentioned about how how tools are helping to bring together other functions, right? And the, the friction is is always there. I don't think we can live in frictionless, you know, companies, right? I I don't think this is this is a real expectation. But I think we can alleviate alleviate a lot of these pains and misconceptions. And I think. Um, you know, if there is a good understanding of what we're sharing and how we're approaching the customers, and this is a more consistent approach, and that that information is passed is passed on, you know, without any, I would say, ambiguity or limited ambiguity, I think it's helping everybody. It's helping marketing, and then when the marketing is passing them, you know, the the upper funnel to the sellers through the SDRs, that process, to your point and your example, is is accelerating. So there's one thing to be consistent and talking the same stuff, but it's another one to be faster and helping the company to scale. And then finally, once something lands on the on the post sale side and is an inboard onboarding, I think there's a, a very very often a misunderstanding what we sold, what we can do, uh, and as a how moment. And then from the get go, your customer is unhappy. That's a bad experience. You know, you don't you don't want to be in that process, right? Especially on the at the end of the food chain, because that is already putting you in a bad light and a lower probability to renew. Um, overall, bad for the company. So, I think having these, um, I would say, product demos done in consistent way across the board, where I'm calling everybody demo, is is absolutely critical. Um, because it impacts your selling cycle and everything else. So um, I see this as like almost almost like overarching uh, value uh, from 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 tools like like Demo Boost. Yeah, yeah and I mean it's gonna help in the upsell process too. Of like you have a new product at launch and the customer success team wants to wants to upsell it. Um, there is nothing I dislike more than getting on a call to be pitched and not understanding what the product does yes. by the time I get off the call. Uh, and I hope, I wish that never happened. Uh, like I instantly want to jump into a demo, especially when you work for a SaaS product, you're like, I get it. I don't need the song and dance. Let's just see what it does and, and yep. move on from there. Um, I think one thing that Demetrius kind of started to hint at was, um, you know, you want to understand what the product does well and, and doesn't do well or what it can and can't do. And I think I'd love to learn a little bit about what you are hoping demo base can do in the future. Uh, maybe something it doesn't do now and what has is on your uh, product roadmap for the next few months. No, absolutely. So I think it's, it's, you know, grouping it a little bit, we're focusing on two um, main areas. 
One is to really be a best possible solution for pre-sales teams, which includes making them productive and uh, making them even more productive and make therefore making uh, demo creation easy, demo personalization easier, easier, faster, while maintaining quality, which is a really key thing uh, in that particular function. Uh, because they are the front, they are the face of the product on a call, right? So you really, they, they really care about the quality, but also they have to be efficient uh, and, and the sales process. So that's something we're, we're working on. There's continuous improvements on uh, the way we capture applications, the way you can personalize them at scale with the least amount of clicks and, and the least amount of time spent, you know, from features to performance improvements. So that's going to be, that's one big focus of ours. Um, and then the second thing is, you know, once the, assuming the demo is built, right, it's, uh, again, using a, an example or a comparison to a PowerPoint, you can have the most beautiful PowerPoint out there, right? But this doesn't mean that people are going to present it well, uh, for a number of different reasons, right? They might not have a script, they might not know where to pause, it doesn't matter, right? They might not even know where to find it potentially in your huge company repository. So uh, this also leads a uh, you know second bucket of our you know initiatives, which is let's make this this beautiful demo that was built uh, the best delivered demo. So things like improving on the script, the uh, scripting feature that we just showed you, right? That that connects the demo to the script, uh, that prompts them to say the right things, to ask the right question, uh, and then with the discoverability of the content is also the importance of of integrations and making sure that these these demos are. Uh, just, they are already are, but just to make it even easier to integrate and embed into your existing system because nobody is an initial login. Uh, we fully recognize this and we're just trying to make it easier for everybody. So that's, these are, would be like the two, two directions that we're focusing on. And of course, like we, we can't forget about all the analytics and all that good stuff, but this is an ongoing effort that, that we always, you know, get feedback on and, and, and then prove on. Yeah. On the topic of analytics, what's the one, maybe one or two, I'll give you two, things that you tell people who adopt the product to focus on? I feel like there's always, like for us in the ad world, it's conversion-based and it's your uh, return on ad spend, right? That's the thing we, at the end of the day, we want people to focus on. What's the thing um, within Demo Boost in terms of analytics that you really want customers focusing on? So it would depend on the use case. But to, to generalize, it would be uh, demo demo views, aka demos ran. Uh, ultimately, if you build something uh, and you know you want to show it to people, it's, it's not useful if it's just sitting in your cupboard, right? So we say, hey, do a, you know get it in front of as many people as possible and iterate, right? So this means also this is very closely aligned to getting things done quickly. You know, let's, let's not think about a demo script for two months and then ship it. Let's get something quickly and let's get those demo views demo views uh quickly there right so it can go it can be uh, slightly different for different organizations where you know we have use cases where people need for like um you know heavy personalization of select products that that uh you know don't get you know a huge amount of volume but are very cumbersome to personalize and or might not even be possible Cybersecurity is a great space of that like how do you demo a mass attack uh, on your systems or servers, right? It's, it's a very difficult thing to do. Uh, so, yeah, it look, depends a little bit, but then 80-20 approach would say, hey, let's, let's get your demo views up, demo views, demo, sh- demo sessions up. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, we've talked quite a bit about like the different product offerings in the market and, and where you fit in. Uh, and demos are certainly not new. Uh, everyone's been doing demos for quite some time, but where do you see the the overall market going when it comes to demos? Uh, what do you see the trends there, and and who do you think, or what do you think is going to impact what Demo Boost does, and and where the market goes? So, yeah, I'm mean, tough to predict the future. So I I, I tend to uh, you know actually look to the past a little bit, and. Not too, 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 too far back into the past, but I would look into like two to three years back. So two to three years back, I always like this example, and you can have a look. There, there's this organization, uh, a community called Pre-Sales Collective, right? They're doing a really good job. They literally started 
two to three years ago. The first community for pre-sales people, okay? And right now it's 30,000 people globally signed up, going to events on Slack channel, doing all sorts of other things, right? Um, and I'm bringing it up because I think it shows how quickly a certain, this, this, this industry or function inside of your organizations that start owning these demos, pre-sales, how quickly it gathered traction and it's not slowing down. So this lets, lends us to believe in working with the customers. We see how more important the gets more and more important that a the pre-sales function is going to grow into uh, grow into more importance continuously. Uh, whether it's going to be exponentially, I don't know, but you know it's going to grow. Uh, and uh, why you know the thesis is that the products are getting more complex, the buyers are getting more demanding. Therefore, you need to be more educated on call. Listen to your point. You want to get on a call and do a demo and be really educated about the product. Don't just talk about its fluff, right? So that really drives that uh, you know that function uh, from the perspective. Because of that, we already start again from a couple of years back. We started seeing dedicated pre-sales budgets. We started, you know, we started seeing first RFPs for pre-sales specific solutions, which are all indicators that this kind of category again probably is not going to be reinventing the wheel. It's going to follow into you know, sales tech, all these other things, uh, and it's going to, you know, fo- you know, following maybe the sales tech example, you know, similarly trends, automate the mundane, right? Make sure that you're focusing on high value activities where really the person can add value. And pre-sales, this might be custom POCs, POVs, uh, and all of that. You know, boost that with new visibility, new importance, budgets, uh, and all that jazz, right? And so that's kind of at a high level. And then, you know, on the solution level, again, then it has to start with the problems. Then same thing. The middle funnel of the sales process is super messy. There's least visibility there. There's a ton of analytics, and people have really you know, got it nailed down or have tools to nail down the top of the funnel, you know, how do we attract leads, prioritize them, you know, funnel them, so et cetera, et cetera. Then we know, you know, how to send people to DocuSign, get them, you know, signed up, process their payments and all that good stuff. But how do we get the, you know, this middle funnel saying like discovery, demo, POC, this is art, you know, this is art. And, you know, with that art, there's a lot of different challenges. That can be uncovered and 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 helped with it. I think there's we're only just scratching the surface. I mean, I know we do because we just get so many requests for features and you know, hey, can you do this? Can you do that? Uh, and and it's going to be a pretty exciting time for for the pre-sales community and overall. Just I think uh, go to market and sales. Yeah, that's really interesting about the middle funnel. It's a mess, uh, and I feel like it's a mess in most industries, right? Like same in ads it's really easy to say what converted the ad and how to get them to your website but all the different touch points in between are really hard to track and what moves that needle is really hard to track and i think what demo boost and the analytics provide is just another tool and tracking that you can utilize in that in that process so uh it's it's very exciting i i want i want to get demo boost (laughs) i've been sold easy yeah Um, I would. I, I have a question on this. Actually, my follow-up question. Um, I, I couldn't solve this dilemma. Uh, maybe you have a you have an answer. I don't know how much of that what you just said is driven by a lack of our understanding how the pre-sales works, um, and what is the art, uh, and what it really means to be good at it, versus uh, desire for productivity. And I think, you know, productivity should be driven off that first one, right? Of the former. Once you have an understanding, you know where you're going, you know, that's, that should be at least easier. I'm not saying easy, but easier. But I don't know if we actually pass that stage that we can say, you know, this whole sales process, especially, you know, POCs and demos, right? Disco, all of that is at the at the place where we can just start squeezing the productivity and say, you know what, we can automate all of this. So what's your take on this, Pablo? I don't think it's ever I, I don't think it's 
my 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 single answer would be I don't think it's ever going to be the case when we can auto automate all of that, right? And that you know we're going to be able to automate all of these parts, and I totally agree that. Um, it's like with anything else, like you have to first kind of master a skill and, you know, learn how to walk before you run, uh, you know, and you, by mastering the skill, you know how to work smarter, you know, uh, versus, versus just work harder. So it's, it's, it's definitely true from the, from the perspective. That's, that's what I, what I, I think mentioned earlier, right? We, we talked to different organizations and, um, a lot of times it's still going to come down to like, Hey, like, do we have a common demo script do, do you know how to show your product uh typically the answer is you know if, if you had you know 5 10 20 demos with 20 different people you would see 20 different products uh still because it's difficult from that perspective so i think i don't think i have a perfect answer for this but it, it requires this i think i'll go back to this you know michael or marco whatever you want to call this perspective I, I put a lot of hope and we see this with the best organizations that do this. Put emphasis on the pre-sales teams. That they own the demo. Like somebody owns the demo really and they work together and they pull in product marketing and they pull in uh, you know, enablement, all these people. But there's clear, clear ownership of this. And then from that, so they plan you know, the demos, the scripts, they, 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 they standardize they start tracking because now there's technology that enables them to track. They couldn't do this two or three years ago. Mm -hmm. so they can start kind of using all of this uh, to know what's working first manually and then start automating certain aspects. But by no means is it going to be automated like, never ever because it's, I think it's, it's very similar to like development. Uh, but I'm not a developer, I'm not an expert, but it's the same thing like yeah, you're you're probably your mundane code and you know uh, writing you know prompts for you know putting the right CSS class in the particular button is going to be you know uh, automated, but not thinking about a more complex algorithm. So an analogy here, be yeah, your your repetitive demo is going to be can be automated or you know shown by somebody else with less experience. But when a customer comes in and they're an enterprise customer and they're like, hey. I have really detailed questions that need to be tailored to my experience right here, right now. And my, you know, my experience could be any number of different things, a uh, result of my existing systems, history, yada, 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 whatever I want to know. I need an expert. And then this expert should have enough time not being flooded with mundane tasks and enough free mind space to do the best job possible, close their deal. I completely agree with you, Paolo. I think I don't need a salesperson to sell me Calendly or, you know, like a, or your SMS text message product. I can set that up and I don't want to have to go through a salesperson. But on anything that starts to get a little more complex that you're investing money in, I want an expert. And the salesperson impacts the sale or not. Like if I like the salesperson, I am more likely to buy that product. And that is something that AI could never impact. And that comes to like, I know I'm going to get the support I need when I ask questions. I know I'm going to get quick responses to things. There's a factor there that I just don't think could ever be completely automated. Yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, it's a spot on. Uh, but I think we can improve our time spent and time allocation. Like Pavel said, uh, there's some tasks that can be just removed completely from the process. And I think we're going to spend, you know, our time uh, where where actually the highest ROI is. So that's the future. And I don't think this is a, indifferent to any other segment of go-to-market tools um, or even any other industry for that matter. So uh, it's, it's just the same repeating theme, um, but it's definitely good to get your pers perspective on that um, and how you think on this. So I want to move to the to the uh, last part of our podcast, which is kudos to the industry. Uh, you know, you have anyone we want to call out, and you want to give a shout out. Oh, there's there's plenty of people, um, and I already mentioned Pre-Sales Collective. A great job, just just uh, you know building the community there, uh, and definitely we need, you know we have to you know I'm really, really grateful for the work. That uh, a company called Consensus is doing, and you know it's a really great team there. Uh, and they are kind of that OG 
pre-sales uh, solution in the space. And OG in, in a good way. It doesn't mean that they're obsolete or anything from that matter. But they really were, I think, one of the first ones to kind of get get that going. And they built an amazing foundation and they just keep you know growing from there with their events, with their, their knowledge sharing and just just continuously innovating. So I think they're doing an amazing job. Uh, so so kudos to them. Uh, and then, you know, maybe the last thing I would also say, you know, it's kudos to, I would say, the open source community on the pre-sales side. Uh, you know, whenever we talk to pre-sales teams, um, they they use a, a they, they they found they find their way to different solutions, right? And they 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 are um, they were uh, taught uh, because of the lack of budgets uh, and and different things, they have to just find a way to do certain things. From which grew a, a number of great open source solutions for automations, personalization, all that good stuff. So I mean, you know. Some people who are in the space might recognize demo monkeys, tamper monkeys. For some reason, the monkey seems to be a keyword there. Uh, but it's it's an open source. It's, these are open source projects maintained by the community, and I think they they are really helpful because uh, you know whether somebody you know can can you know wants to invest in a solution like ours, you know maybe they want to get they're going to get blocked by the CFO, but still you know they might have some open source solutions. They can not maybe do the same thing, but but something else. So always, always great to see that. Uh, I think, and also, always a great thing for the industry. Uh, so, yeah, uh, Precious Collective consensus and open source uh, friends at at at, or at all these products. Uh, uh, hats off to you, and and we're just trying to humbly follow. Yeah, the pre sales collective looks cool, and I'm part of a uh, partnerships leaders community. I think what I've learned in anything like that is you get a lot of good ideas of how to bring things back to your organization and sell them through or, or implement new ideas. So for anyone out there on a pre-sales team struggling, I highly, highly recommend getting involved in a community that you can uh, chat through problems with and figure out solutions to. I didn't know that existed. So that was, that was cool to learn about. I learned a lot about pre-sales today. So thank you. Yeah, that was, uh, that was your session, Lizzie. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I think it's a good a good place to stop. Um, that's it for the episode. Thank you for joining and sharing your thoughts, Pavel. Um, it was a pleasure to to hear you and your opinions. And uh, thanks for listening. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the RepTech Podcast. Please subscribe on the listening platform of your choice and leave us a review to let us know how we're doing. 